So we're here in Truth Is Part 2 today. And just this phrase, the truth is, is usually referred to a time when someone's kind of setting the record straight, right? When someone is saying, okay, here's what it's all about. Here's what it all comes down to. Here, I'm going to lay it out for you. And I was thinking about this, and I saw this funny thing that happened. There was this kid who's all about getting things set straight, okay? The Massachusetts police received a 911 call from a six-year-old who called to rat out his dad for going through a red light. So they received this call. He literally says, um, Daddy went past the red light. He was in a brand new car, my mummy's car, right? And so the dispatcher asked to talk to the dad. So picture this six-year-old bringing the phone over to his dad saying, the authorities would like to speak to you. <laughs> like having no clue this kid even dialed 911 in the first place. Now the police said they couldn't issue a ticket because basically it would have been the son's word versus the father's word. But I just love that this little guy was like, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to set the record straight. We're going to get down to the truth on this, and uh, you're going to have to face it. In fact, it even says that he warned his dad in the car he was going to call about this little transgression. And I just love this idea of saying, okay, let's get down to the truth, right? And so here in this series, that's what we're doing. We're getting down to the truth about God and about how we respond to God. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced that Paul, as he was writing this book, had this phrase in the back of his mind. The truth is, because I want to tell you what the truth is about God and the truth is about what it looks like to follow him and respond to him. And so today we're going to continue this discussion about the truths of God and what it looks like to respond to them. They're so powerful. Last week, I hope you got excited. I know I was excited about our salvation. And that's what we looked at in Ephesians 1. Paul just saying, hey, we got to be excited about this salvation. we got to be so pumped about the fact that we belong to Jesus and we're saved. Now today, I really want to get you excited about knowing God better. Because that's what Paul's going to talk about in the second half of Ephesians chapter 1. Knowing God better. Now this is important to talk about because sometimes we struggle with this, don't we? Right? Some of us in the room are thinking, I'm so busy, I don't know how to know God better. I just have so much going on. How am I going to add time in to pray and go to church and be involved? And I, I just don't know how to know God better in, in my life right now. It's so crazy. Some of us might say, well, I already know God. Right? I mean, many of us, you woke up this morning knowing God, having a relationship with God. And sometimes we kind of believe the lie that there's almost this, this ceiling to knowing God. You know, It's like, I know I'm saved, I know the verses, I sing the songs, I go to church. But man, my, my, my prayer for us and Paul's prayer for us is that we would have this hunger to actually know God better. No matter where we are, Pastor Ravone's been saved a long time preaching, you know, 40 years, right? Knows so much about the Word of God. And he would tell you that he has an opportunity to know God better. As much as he knows about the Word of God and as experienced he as he is in the things of God, he would say, there's more. There's more to know. There's more to understand. There's more to experience in God. Some of us here might say, well, I don't know if I have a desire to know God better because I've been through some difficult things in my, my past season here. I've had some disappointments. And sometimes those disappointments can help us or kind of get us to believe the lie that if God disappointed us, then why would we even want to know him better, right? And that's where some of us are today. We have a little bit of a wall up with God. And we're uncertain about taking more steps to him because maybe we feel disappointed in him in some way. And we're going to address that here today. I think we're going to have our eyes open to, to the reminder that, man, this God is always worth getting to know better. Some of you here in the room might say, I don't know how to know God better. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. And you're here today saying, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know how to approach God. What is, God wants a relationship with me? What does that even look like? I don't even know how to really fathom or understand that. And so today, whether you have been a Christian a really long time, you know him really well, or you're brand new to all this, I want us to be able to look at the Word of God today and know Him better. That's the goal today. We're going to know Him better together 
and also learn, I think, how to know him better on our own. That's so important, right? Why know God better? Let me give you a few reasons. Number one, knowing God is the reason you're here. It's the reason, not just here this morning, the reason you're alive, right? Back in the 1600s, some really, really smart theologians with some great Scottish and English accents got together, and they wrote something called the Westminster Catechism, and they asked this question. You've heard us talk about this before, and the way they phrased it was this, what is the chief end of man? I wouldn't say it that way, but what's the question saying? What's the purpose of mankind? What is the purpose of us being here? And you know the answer they came up with? It's beautiful. To know God and enjoy Him forever. So your purpose is actually to know God. And Paul is going to encourage us today to know God better. I would say you're here today because you want to know God better. I would say any of you that have a regular time where you pray or you open up God's Word, it's because you want to know God better. And so I think this is the reason that we are here. Another reason this is so important is because knowing God better literally is the answer to every problem in your life. Like, there's not one thing you could, if I, if I you know, had you raise your hands and I called on you and, you and you told me your deepest problems right now, knowing God better is the answer to all of them, I guarantee you, right? Oh, I'm just feeling really insecure lately. Well, guess what? You know God better, that's going to go away. Man, I just have so much fear. As you get to know who God is and what the truth is about him, watch those fears melt away. Man, I'm having this relationship thing. I don't know how to handle this. As you get to know God better, he's going to show you and lead you and give you an example of how to walk through that relationship issue. Literally, knowing God better is the answer to every issue of our life. The last little thing I'll give you here is I think knowing God better is so important to talk about because it's what so many of us in this room want. I was in the front row singing this morning, and we're singing about just more of God, right? When you move, God, everything changes. When you move, what I seek changes. And I'm literally just going, God, I just want more. I just want to know you more. I don't want to just be going through motions. I don't want this to be routine. God, more of you, right? And I would guess 95% of you walking to the room today saying, I just wish I knew God more. I wish I experienced him more. I wish I understood more about him. I wish I, 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 I just could think the way he thinks and, and experience what he wants me to experience. And so I hope today that we will get excited about knowing God better. And today, the goal is to do that together and also to learn, okay, these are some things that can help me know God better. And so we're going to see here Paul's heart as he continues on in Ephesians chapter 1. And so let's check out the screens here. Ephesians 1 verse 15 says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Okay, so if you remember, we looked at the first half of Ephesians 1 last week, and we saw that the first half was praise and the second half is a prayer. And these verses are kind of like a bridge here. And so he's writing to his friends in Ephesus, saying, I want you to know I'm praising God for you, but I'm praying for you. And this is where we find this desire to get closer to God. To know him better is in what Paul prays. Check out what he says in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, look at the last few words, you may know him better. Paul's saying, my whole goal in praying for you guys, when I pray for you, is that you would know God better. That's the goal of today. That we'd walk out of here saying, man, I know God better. And because I know God better... I'm doing what I'm here to do. And it impacts every area of my life. And so let's check out what Paul prays. He says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Okay, what's Paul asking God for? 
spiritual sight, right? All right, my heart, my physical heart's not going to get eyes and start seeing, right? No, he's saying, I'm praying that your, your spiritual heart would be enlightened so that you can see some things. And he's going to show us three things that if we see, will help us know God better, okay? And so here's what's going to happen. He's basically going to bring up the first two. He's going to do them kind of quick, so that's what we'll do. We'll just kind of track with them kind of quick. And then he really lands on the last one, this third thing that if we see, we will know God better, and we're going to dig down deep into that, all right? So verse 18, we find out the first thing he says. If we see it, we will know God better. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. The first thing that Paul tells us, if we could see it, will help us know God better, is the hope which he has called us to, okay? So I want you to think about the word hope for a little while. Now, what does Paul have in mind here when he says, if we could just see the hope of God, then we'll know him better? I think there's lots of things, right? Like, think about the hope that you and I receive on a daily basis just based on the fact that God wants a relationship with us. God wants a relationship with us, right? Have you ever been amazed by that? Like, why would God want a relationship with me? Has there ever been anybody in your life, you were just kind of shocked they were interested in you? I remember, I was 16 years old, I'm going through the halls of Smithtown Christian School, I'm this goofy kid, and all of a sudden I started to get this feeling that the girl in my school everyone was in love with was interested in me. Her name was Kelly Pavone. (laughs) She just (laughs) looked down and got a little shy there. Right? I'm walking through the halls, and I'm like, I mean, I'm just the goofiest kid, long, weird hair, and goatees, puppy goatees, and I, like, who was I? And, and, and she, we're walking, I mean, I thought every time she looked at me and smiled, I must have had mayonnaise on my face from lunch or something, you know, like, like, why is she, like, smiling at me, you know? And she was somehow interested in me. And, and it's funny, I remember one time she came on a trip with my youth group to Great Adventure. And my dad still brings this up to this day. As a kid, I used to go everywhere with a camcorder. I would record everything. I'd make all these ridiculous videos with my friends. And now I just want to tell you, man, back in the 90s, you had to be committed to filming because you didn't just take a half-ounce iPhone out. You carried like a 50-pound camcorder around the size of a suitcase. I'm guaranteeing you I'm going to need shoulder replacement as I get older due to the camcorders of the 80s and 90s alone. But... Here we are on this great adventure trip, and you know how kids film, right? I mean, you ever watch some of your kids filming? It's like all over the place like this. And so I'm going through the day, and I'm filming all my friends, and check out this ride, check out that, right? And then at the end of the day, we all get back to the church, and I'm filming all my friends get out around, we're picking up luggage and this and that. And all of a sudden, Kelly walks off the bus, and the, and the camera went from like this to like, <laughs> and it just stopped and zoomed in. And you can still see this to this day. Because I was just so amazed. Like, why is this girl, what? Why does she want a relationship with me? And I just wonder the last time that we felt that about God, like the hope that I can have a relationship with God. And Paul is saying, if we can see that hope, then it will help us know God better. You can know God better today by knowing he wants a relationship with you. And I think another aspect to this is that he has saved us, right? Our salvation is this huge hope that we have in God. And we get to wake up every day and think about the things we talked about last week, that he has adopted us as his own, that he's forgiven us of our sin, that he's lavished his grace out on us. This is our hope. So I hope today, if you're like, I don't know if I should know God better. I don't know, what's the point? Why would I want to? Well, I hope today you're saying, man, as I look at the hope of God, the hope I have in a relationship with him, the hope I have in salvation in him, that makes me want to know him better. I mean, have you thought about what it would be like to wake up lately without that hope? 
What would it be like to wake up tomorrow and go, I don't know if God wants me. I don't know if I'm saved. That'd be a bad day. But we have the hope of our salvation. We have this hope of relationship with God. And Paul's convinced when we see it, it will help us know him better. The next thing Paul gets to is, he says, he wants us to see the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Okay? So he says, all right, I want you to get, if you could just get a glimpse of the inheritance of God in his holy people. Okay, so I want you to think about the word inheritance here. Now, I know some, most of us know what an inheritance is, right? It's when somebody gets something, usually from a family member, like a lot of our kids, the youngest kid has inherited all of the toys of the older kids, right? Or sometimes it's when somebody passes away, they leave their inheritance to their kids. My mother and father-in-law tease us about this all the time. We'll be sitting at, like, Christmas dinner, and my sister-in-law will say, oh, Mom, I love these, these cups. And they'll look at each other and smirk and say, yeah, well, they'll be all yours when we're dead. <laughs> Want some more fruitcake? It's like, Merry Christmas. Thank you. You know? You, know, you know, thanks for bringing that up. You know? One time they actually teased us that we had already gone through the house and priced out everything and what we would get for it on eBay. Right? And I just want to set the record straight. We would never sell their stuff on eBay. We'll use Craigslist. It's much more efficient. I mean, come on, right? Obvious. But... We know what an inheritance is, and here Paul is saying something that I think we often miss. Because I think when we read this verse, Scott, if you could just jump back to that verse, I think when we read that, we go, okay, cool. So if I see the riches of his glorious inheritance that I'm going to get, then I'm going to know him better. And it's true, you and I, we inherit a ton of stuff because we're God's kids. But that's not what that verse means. It doesn't say the riches of his glorious inheritance for his holy people. This is powerful. It says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You know what that means? The inheritance that God wants to get your attention today is not something he gives you. Ready? You're the inheritance. You're his inheritance. Want to know if God loves you today? Yeah, he loves you so much that the thing he wants you to see is that you are his inheritance. So we stand before God one day in heaven, right? And yes, we get all of our inheritance, which will be salvation and freedom from sin and sickness and death and all those things we we look forward to. But what God gets on that day is you. You're his inheritance. That's how much he loves you. That's how much you're wanted. Sometimes you and I think, how could God want a relationship with me? Am I even loved? He's letting me go through this difficult circumstance. Does he even love me anymore? Just remember, you are his inheritance. And I want you to think about this for a second. That means when you and I stand before God in heaven one day, the thing that he will have that he didn't have before he created all this is you and me. Right? Sometimes we think like, oh yeah, God, he he created mankind. He was just bored. Oh yeah, that's what God needed. It was a big headache like you and I in his life, right, to cure his boredom. No, he wasn't bored. No, he wanted you. So he created everything. And then you and I rebelled. And so he sent his son to die in our place. That's how much you're loved. You are the inheritance that God wants you to see today. And when you understand that he sees you and I as his inheritance, man, we're starting to know God better, aren't we? Well, that's the kind of father he is. Imagine me looking at my son saying, you know what, for my birthday, buddy, don't get me anything. I just want you. That's what God's done for you and for me. Go on a little bit. Lyndon, I'm very glad you're here this morning. I'm using you a lot in these illustrations. This is wonderful. Paul's praying, we'll see the inheritance of God. But then 
he says, okay, there's this third thing I want you to see. And this third thing, he doesn't just tell us. Like, you know how he kind of brought up, you know, the hope and the inheritance, then he kind of just kept going? He brings up this next thing he wants us to see, and then he goes to town on it, and he explains it in depth, and he shows us what a big deal this is. So I hope today you've seen the hope and the inheritance of God already, and I hope it's making you want to know God better. But check this next part out. Here's the third thing he wants us to see. He wants to see his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul says, if your heart can see the power of God, that is for you, you will know him better. So I want, you to think, I want you to think about the word power here. So God has this incredibly great power. And the thing that's amazing about God is he doesn't just hoard his power and keep it in like a warehouse somewhere. What does it say? It says it's for you. It's for you and I if we believe. And so this power is available to us. Now we have to talk about well, what's this power like, right? And this is what Paul does here. He doesn't just bring up the power. He says, well, let me tell you what this power is like. Let's just talk about this power. He's super excited about this power. He says, that power that's at work in you, that's for you, that's on your side, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. So the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's for you and for me. It's the same power that God has saying, hey, this is, this is yours because of who you are, because you're my kid. That same power is yours, which is great news because I don't know about you, you have anything going on that's a little bit bigger than you right now in life? We all said yes. Anything going on right now that keeps you up at night? You have anything going on right now that you can't lift? Well, that's great news because the same power that raised Jesus back from the dead is for you. So, if it could raise Jesus back from the dead, I'm thinking it can handle your marriage, your addiction, your struggle, your fear, your insecurity, your doubt. Whatever is too big for you, that same power is for you. And then it goes on. It talks more about this power. This same power seated him. So it's talking about Jesus. It took Jesus, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, at the Father's right hand. So the power that's for you today not only raised Jesus from the dead, but then took Jesus and, bam, placed him on the throne next to the Father in heaven. Can we just talk about that kind of power for a second? I don't know anybody with that kind of power. Like, I never had a conversation with somebody. Like, what would you do this morning? Ah, oh, I took somebody placed him next to the Father in heaven. <laughs> never, it doesn't happen. God does that. That's a unique power. And this is the power at work for you and for me, this is the power that God wants to offer you and me. And I just, I mean, let's, let's think about this for a second, right? It's okay to celebrate power that people here and now have, right? Like, there are some pretty powerful people out there. You know, I mean, I was thinking about this this week. Aaron Judge hit a 496-foot home run. Like, that's power. That's some power, right? Pretty good. Could be impressed with that. Uh, this guy, I'm going to have trouble with his name. Zidrunas Savikas set a record for deadlifting, 1,155 pounds he lifted. It's a little bit more than I can bench, but, uh, right? <laughs> Unbelievable power, right? But let's just compare for a second that power with the power of God. So Aaron Judge standing before God going, yeah, man, I could hit a ball pretty far with a piece of, a piece of wood, right? And this other guy, yeah, man, I could lift a lot of tires on a bendy pole. Like, I don't know how else to describe that, right, what we just saw on the screens. <laughs> and then you go, God, what, what could you do? Well, my son, who was in the grave, by the way, because he loved you so much, he got on the cross. I raised him back, and I placed him right here at my right hand. And by the way, that's the power that's for you. And Paul's convinced if we see this power, we will know God better. 
Then he goes on. He says, when he seated Jesus, he seated him, look, look at this, far above all rule and authority. So Jesus is sitting on his throne with power above all rule and authority. And you think about the the rule and authority in this world, the power that's out there, you know, you think, I mean, in my mind, I think, you know, presidents and kings sitting together having conversations, you know, and that's like so foreign to you and I. I mean, think about the power and authority that these men and women have as they sit and discuss. I mean, yes, we're going to bomb this nation. We're not going to bomb that nation. Yes, we have a peace treaty here. We're going to endorse this, not endorse that. I mean, incredible rule and authority. And you and I just have no access to authority like that on a natural level, right? In fact, I was, I was thinking about how protected the White House is from you and I, you know? And, and I actually, I was Googling this, and it was actually a scary uh, experience because I started typing the words on Google, breaking into the Oval Office. I was like, maybe I should rephrase this, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll stop right there and do something else. But, like, just think about the fact that they have... An iron fence, secret service, bulletproof windows, radars, concrete barriers, infrared scanners. Every piece of food that's brought into the White House is checked to make sure there's not something shady going on, right? So you and I have no access to these people with this incredible authority. But this verse just told us Jesus sits far above all that authority, all that rule. Now that's on a natural level. Let's check out the other side of this. He sits far above all what? Power and dominion. So, yeah, he's sitting above all the power and all the rulers of, of, you know, naturally that you look around. And by the way, that's like your boss too, you know? That's your teacher, your professor, right? Like, Like Jesus is above all that. So if you have an issue with these people, the conversation should be you and God because he's above all those people, right? A little extra there for you for free today, right? But, but. Here, now we see, man, not only is Jesus above all those rulers and authorities, but all power and dominion. And the word power here, if you look it up in the Greek, means powers of the spirit world. So we're talking about angels here, okay? And the Jewish people of Paul's day would have believed that angels controlled their destiny. And so Paul's here saying, okay, I know Jewish, you know, Jewish people out there who here first century, you're hearing this, and, and you're just like maybe in awe, but I just want you to know. It's far above all powers. And not only angels, but that would be demons and the devil himself as well. This is not like a close competition. This is not Jesus here. You know, the enemy's right behind him. Oh, man, that was close for a second. I thought he passed him. No. Jesus sits far above all of these authorities and powers and dominions. And then it says this. He sits above every name that is invoked. Invoked means this. Someone that's prayed to or called on. So all around the world, there are all different types of people who are prayed to or called on, right? Paul tells us here, just so you know, Jesus sits far above every single one of those. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So not just here and now, but in eternity. Jesus is on that throne above all authority and power. And then, verse 22 says, And God placed all things under his feet. What does that phrase mean, under his feet? It means under his care. So God the Father placed all things under the care of Jesus. It doesn't say he placed most things or a few things. And I just want you to know, when you look up this word all in the Greek, you will never guess what it means. All. (laughs) And so all things, everything pertaining to you and your life is under the feet of Jesus. And just a thought, you can only place something under someone else's feet when what you place there is yours in the first place, right? Right? So just picture this, God the Father holding all 
things, over everything. And he looks to his son and says, I'm going to place these under your care. That's some authority and some power. And so everything that pertains to you is under the care of Jesus. Your deepest struggles, the future, your fears, your salvation, it's all under the care of Jesus. And then I love this part. And this is a big deal to us right now in our church as we think about leaving this building in a, in a few months and what's next. And check this out. So the Father appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So God appointed Jesus to be the head over everything for the church. And I love this illustration here because, you know, when you think about a body, a body's obvious to what we all know to be a body, and so you have different parts, right? And so you and I are like the parts of this body, and it says Jesus is the head of this body. And I want you to think about what a head does. What does a head do? A head sees, a head understands, it perceives, a head tells all the rest of the pieces what to do. Without the head, the rest is nothing. Without the head, the rest is blind. Without the head, the rest has no knowledge, no information flowing through to order everything else. And I just want to encourage you that with our church situation right now, Jesus is the head. He's the head for the next destination. He's the head for the merger. He's the head for the the portable building. He's the head for all of that. And he's going to tell us exactly what we need to do. We don't have to fear. Jesus has us, and he knows the next space and the space beyond that, and, and he's got it all in his hands. And so I hope today, as we've talked about the hope of God, the hope of a God who wants a relationship with us, the hope of our salvation, as we've talked about the inheritance, yes, we get some inheritance from God, everything that's his is ours because we're his kids, but you're his inheritance. That's how loved you are. And as we've looked at this power that took Jesus from the dead, raised him up at the right hand of the Father, far above all rule and authority and power, and the head of the church, I hope today that you are leaning in and you are drawn in saying, that is a God I want to know better. That is a God I've got to continue to get closer to and say, God, fall fresh on me. Do something new in my life. I don't want to be where I was a year ago in my relationship with you. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to get stuck in my knowledge and understanding of you. No, God, please fall afresh on me. Do something new. Here's what I hope that you are seeing today. And here's what Paul was driving at. And I believe with all my heart, he's going, you know what the truth is about God? And the truth is about our relationship with him? It's this. It's that seeing. Seeing the hope inheritance and power of God will help us know him better. Seeing those three things is going to draw our hearts to him. It's going to give us a hunger to know him more. But I hope today that as we've looked for a few minutes at the hope, the inheritance, and the power, that your heart's already drawn in. And now you'll realize, wow, I can continue to see these things. I can continue to marvel at the hope I have in God. I can continue to marvel at the fact that I'm his inheritance. At the end of it all, he gets me, and that's what he wants. And that his power, which is above all power, is for me, because I believe in him. And so today, all that worries you, all that you and I carry, all the burdens we walk through, all the things that we suffer, the disappointments, the ups and downs, Man, when we look at the hope, the inheritance, and the power of God, I think it brings us back to a place of saying, all right, God, I want to know you more, so take me deeper in you. I'm telling you, you're here to know God better. 
And it's the answer to every single thing you have going on in your life. And at the end of the day, I think most of us want to know our Savior better. If I were to poll you today, I would guess most of you would say, yeah, I'm in. I'm in for that. If it's this kind of God we're talking about, a God of hope, inheritance, and power, then I'm in to know him better. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, what are those three things maybe this week do you need to really focus in on? I'd encourage you to write it down on your, on your phone or maybe set an alarm or a reminder to go off every day. Maybe it'll just be the word hope. And as you're going through your week this week, you'll see the word hope come up on your screen. You'll go, oh yeah, I've got to focus back in on this hope that I have in God. I don't want to take this for granted. And when I see this hope, it's going to make me want to know him better. Or maybe the fact that you're just the inheritance of God. What a beautiful concept. Or the power of God that is for you. If you're going through some really heavy stuff right now, and there's some things you just cannot lift up yourself, man, write down that word power somewhere. Remember, that power is for you. And it's matchless. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I hope you're hearing and seeing what it looks like to have a relationship with God. You see, when we call out to God, the fancy word is prayer, right? When we talk to God and pray, we're getting closer to him. We're knowing him better. When we open up the Bible, we'll give you one today if you don't have one. We're getting to know God better. And we're fulfilling our purpose for being on planet Earth. And we are finding the answer to every issue that we have. So if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you want to put your trust in him, then I would encourage you to do just that. If you are a follower of Jesus, I pray that you will hone in on all three of these things if you're up for it, but at least one of them this coming week and say, wow, I'm going to just focus on this so I could know him better. Because Paul was convinced the truth is the seeing, the hope, inheritance, and power of God will help us know him better. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that this is the God we serve. A God who loves us so much and so undeservedly. A God who has given us hope we don't deserve, has made us the inheritance we do not deserve to be, and desires to fill us with the power that he raised his own son with, placed him on the throne far above all authority and power, and is the head of the church. And so God, we just thank you today. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you spend a minute just talking with him about this? Would you, would you pray about maybe some of these things in your life, and would you just, maybe if you're just feeling like, I just, I just still, Doug, man, I appreciate the message and all, but I just still don't want to know him better. Then would you pray about that? That's not something we should be afraid to ask God. God, if I'm honest, I don't want to know you better. Would you change that? That is, that is a powerful and effective prayer. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today and you want to put your trust in him, maybe during the message today, if you've, as you've seen this God, who loves you. He's brought your heart to life and he's opened up the eyes of your spiritual heart and he wants to show you his great love. And so maybe you want to just pray something quietly like this. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying in my place, for rising back from the dead. Thank you that you want me to be your inheritance. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I want to turn from my sin and follow you. Would you fill me with that power and that hope? In your name we pray. Amen.